Blog Talk Radio. Actress. 
So um, she joins a really great list of plus-size actresses. And when I say plus-size, I don't just mean curvy, like, you know, nothing against Sophia Loren or some other curvy actresses, but I mean actual plus-size women who have actually paved the way for her to win this award. So I think that's amazing. Um, The other winners um, include, like, Marie Dressler. She won an award in 1930, and she was actually plus-size. So I thought that was kind of cool to find out who all won. And the last three Winners were all within the last 10 years. So that, you know, that just shows how far we've really come as far as plus-size women in the plus-size community. So that was a really, um, really good thing to find out. Well, also, there needs more diversity in in mainstream entertainment, so that's good to know. Yeah, definitely. And the fact fact that the last three winners were all from 2005 or 2006 and on, like it was Monique, it was um, Octavia, and, you know, and Jennifer Hudson. That's the that's half of the six that has actually won. So that just shows, like, even though we, you know, we're already saying how we wanted to get further in the plus size movement, we've come a very long way in the last couple of years by doing things, by doing stuff like Plus Model Radio and Daily Venus Diva and stuff like that. So I think that's amazing. Um, also, there's always some nonsense news, so I'm going to bring the nonsense news today. Uh-oh. And I don't know how truthful this is. But it was an interesting read, and a lot of sources are, are, are reporting this, so I figure I might as well report it too. But apparently Adele, who is a very hot topic right now, has been offered a million dollars to be the face of a dating website. Now, you never guess which dating website this is, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> remember, remember Whitney Thompson's website, the, bold, the big and the beautiful.com? Right. So apparently that's the website that she's been offered a million dollars to be the face of. I don't know how true that is, but most of the sites reporting it are in the U.K. But so Whitney Thompson tr- isn't the face of the website anymore? She she Well, she's the founder of it. She's definitely the founder of it. She's listed as the founder on the website. You know, she's definitely the founder. But maybe, you know, I don't know if they're trying to, you know, up the ante a little bit, get a little more exposure because Adele is such a hot topic right now. I don't know. There's no there's no reports or no articles saying whether it's true or not, but there's a bunch of sources, especially in the U.K., reporting this. So um, I just thought that was really, really interesting. But it leads me to another question, though. Even if it's true or not true, what what plus-size companies, would we like to see Adele represent? A lot of people said no Adele, you know, when I read the comments from people, they're like, no Adele, don't do it, don't do it. But if not that company, which company would you like to see her endorse? You know, would you like to see her be the face of, like, Evans is really good, big at getting celebrities, especially musicians, you know, with that, you know, Beth Dito to represent them, be the face. So would you like to see her work with them? You know, stuff like that. But it raises a very good question about, you know, we, we want to see these celebrities endorse plus-size brands, but do we draw a line? Do we have a favorite? Stuff like that, you know. Um, I just thought that was an interesting read. Hmm. Yeah. And last was um, there was a study that was recently studied that was recently um, put out saying that plus-size women prefer shopping online. Now, this is nothing new, but I thought it was really kind of ironic. You may, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes by saying this, the company that put the study out was online retailer onestopplus.com. So I have to question how valid it is considering that, you know, an online company who, you know, of course, from a business standpoint, I want to drum a business too. So I have to, you know, question how valid it is that an online company puts out a study or says they put out a study that people prefer shopping online. I, you know, that that sounds really 
um, a bit opportunist to me. But right. it, I mean, it could be true. It really could be true. But I just thought that was interesting as well. So. Hmm. Well, very interesting. Thank you for coming in and giving us the scoop. You're welcome. Talk to you all later. Okay, bye-bye. And our special guest for this evening is Carrie Otis. And Carrie has been one of the most recognizable faces in modeling, headlining in campaigns for guests Donna Karen, Calvin Klein, and Ravlon. As a supermodel, Carrie has appeared on the covers of Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, and Cosmopolitan. In her book, Beauty Disrupted, a memoir, Carrie shares her unique insight into the business of beauty and the high price it demands by giving an honest account of her struggle with love, identity, and spirituality. Now a wife and busy mother of two, she's found a new voice as a passionate advocate for young women in and out of the modeling industry. Let's welcome Carrie to the show. Hi, Carrie. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited uh, to speak with you, and I know a lot of people are excited that you're on this show. And before you got into the modeling industry, I want to know, how was your relationship with your body and your body image before you even got into to modeling? Yeah, good question. Um, it, it would be so easy to just blame the modeling industry, but I think there are so many contributing factors for young women in terms of, you know, how we relate to our bodies and the development of eating disorders. And from a young age, I was already um, receiving sort of ideas about my body and and had a gen, genuine, you know, dissatisfaction and was already developing an eating disorder early on. And as many women do, it, you know, ultimately is an attempt to control you know, things that are out of control and to, well, to control things that are out of control. Um, so, oh, so that's um, very significant. Yeah. So you started with yeah. the eating disorder before modeling. Pre-modeling, it was already there. And then, of course, wow. the, the hardship to get into an industry that does turn the cheek on that. You know, it's it's an easy fallback to say as someone with an eating disorder, well, my work depends on me being a certain size. Uh, so I was able to to pull that card for many many years. So you be- you became a model at a young age and struggled to maintain your thin frame, which resulted in an eating disorder. Well, now we know it didn't result in the eating disorder; it continued it and it perpetuated um, it. Yeah. Yeah, and drug use came into play. Now, at the time when all of this was happening, did you know? that what you were doing was destructive behavior, or were you kind of naive to what what was going on? I think I was really naive to the connection between my, my body and what I was doing to it and health. Um, you know, it, it was something that was condoned, and, and people in the industry definitely turned their cheek to look another way um, because that was what was expected. But I definitely was very naive to that connection. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you did drugs or you skipped a meal or something, you didn't feel any guilt. You thought that was just normal. You know, there there was a certain element of 
of sadness. There was a certain place in me that I recognized that what I was doing was not uh, for the highest good, that what I was doing was not loving my body. And there was an awareness on some level that that what I was doing was abusive and disrespectful to myself. And I think there was a hum, you know, a big amount of sadness and conflict that came with that because as many young women and and even later unless we get help, rarely do we have the tools, you know, to do something about it. And certainly I as a young woman was no different. I did not have the tools and very few of us, I mean, there is today a much greater discussion about this, you know, thankfully, um, with National Eating Disorder Association and this week of sort of review of what all of these things mean. But definitely for me in the 90s and, you know, there was nobody was really speaking about this. So it was even harder to get help and to have a healthy conversation about what was wrong. And so some things um, about the fashion industry has changed, but I'm sure some of this destructive behavior is still going on behind the scenes. Why do you feel like women want to be a model so bad that they will do almost anything to succeed? Yeah, it's it, it's heartbreaking in that I think there is real um, delusion around what it is to be a model. And the fact of the matter is, you know, nobody looks like that. And, right. you know, these photos are so doctored. And most of the girls in the photos representing us as women are 17 in a size 2. And that is not the majority of us. Right. Um, so it's a real unfair depiction of of women. And I think not only for the kids within the modeling industry, you know, the children working within an industry um, it's very unfortunate for them and quite reckless, but it's also very reckless for an industry where all of those images are being met by millions of hungry young eyes and older eyes, and we're all making the assumption that, that this is a fair depiction of women, and it really is not. It's quite a, a reckless one. Right. And going back to your experience specifically, did um, family or close friends notice a change in you, and did anyone try to do an intervention at some point? With, within my eating disorder. So they did? Um, you, yeah, you know, it's interesting. They really did not, and it's. I think you learn to be so secretive. Um, and certainly I was very disconnected from friends and family, and I think with somebody who has a severe eating disorder, you know, the lengths we go to, to keeping our secrets, um, even from avoiding friends and family. And again, like I said, you know, my life was for so long within an industry that they're not going to do an intervention because it means that they would lose money, you know, on right. a booking for for me. So it really took, you know, by the time I was 30, and it was after that Sports Illustrated shoot where it was the last sort of, you know, I dieted so hard to get down to a certain size on a photo shoot with a 17-year-old and I was 30, that um, I started having heart problems. So it was when my physical health deteriorated enough uh, that that is ultimately what woke me up to getting to getting help. Now, if you can go back and just looking back, what do you think could have happened that could have changed the outcome? Could it have been um, if you had more confidence? Could it have been a role model? Like what do you think 
was the the missing link that could have changed the course of the the events that happened? I think the missing link actually goes back to the disconnect I had with with the feminine, with healthy female figures, with healthy mentors, with sort of role models and women that were guiding my way. And I didn't have that. Um, you know, I was very disconnected with from my mother at that point. And I think that these that eating disorders do go back that far. They do go back to you know, this sense or disconnect of a healthy sense of self in our feminine bodies or in our male bodies, but sort of these healthy relationships that support us and nurture us through life, I think that these are are crucial. Now, you have two daughters now, and you are um, working to break the cycle, and I read that you don't like to use the word fat or diet with your daughters. Now, why is that? And tell me, what are you doing to instill confidence in your daughters? Yeah, we do not use those words here. Um, We actually really relate to the body and, and all of the wonders of the body without, you know, putting those labels and stereotypes into our daughter's head. So instead of, you know, instead of size, we'll talk about shape, we don't use the word diet. We talk about food and the healing properties of food. And already, you know, they're learning to identify their their hunger or satiation by whether they feel full or not. So really helping them to check in with their bodies about what their bodies need. Um, and so it's not about thinness. It's about feeling great and, and healthy. Um, these are all tools that I didn't have, and I think that the earlier that we can give young women and men these tools, they're going to be able to hopefully go out and encounter all of the sabotage that's going on, all of the information in the world. They'll they'll have some tools to be able to deal with these things, hopefully, a bit better. Now, do you think as your daughters grow older, the conversation will change if they're exposed to more things in the world? Absolutely. Yeah, it it will have to. Um, It will absolutely have to. And for now, I'm just so focused on giving them a really conscious foundation and a really empowered foundation. You know, there's no question that goes unanswered. Um, We rejoice in in bodies, we rejoice in the curves of a woman. You know, we we already have those conversations, and and it's awesome. They are not growing up with judgments and prejudice, but real empowerment and compassion towards others. That's awesome. Now, do you consider yourself to be fully recovered from your eating disorder and drug addictions, or do you take it one day at a time? No, I am fully recovered, um, and and it is, in in my opinion, and in many people's opinions, it is, you, you can be fully recovered. My relationship, well, first of all, I don't do drugs, and it's really because I'm more of an athlete now. I honor my body. I want to be available for my children, um, and, and it's about respect and loving myself, and I have a great relationship with food and it took work it took walking through some doors and a lot of courage and a lot of support to shift some deeply ingrained habits Um, and it was through spiritual practice and therapy that I was able to do that but I have a really healthy happy balance and relationship with food as well as it's what 
I'm instilling with my kids from meal preparation to sitting down and enjoying a meal. Um, It's all shifted, and it's really lovely to be liberated from, you know, the prison of of disorder. Mm. Now, you have an amazing story. Tell me, how did you become an ambassador for the National Eating Disorders Association? Yeah, you know, I have, pre my book, Beauty Disrupted, you know, for 10, 12, probably 12 years, I've been really outspoken about eating disorders and body image and body awareness, as well as the impact that the modeling industry does have on this, you know, that that contributor. And although it's been a bit of an upset, I think, within the modeling industry to have somebody out there talking about some of the negative effects, um, it's been really important to me to speak open and honest about it. And even more so now that I have two daughters. I'm in a unique position in that I'm an author now, I'm a mom, I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm not dependent on an industry to take care of me. And so it's enabled me to be able to, to be a voice where I think a lot of women um, still feel very shy about talking about what's going on in the industry. Now, a misconception about eating disorders that I want to um, point out is a lot of people think that only thin women have eating disorders, but um, right. the re- reality is women of all shapes and sizes have Absolutely. eating disorder. And as a matter of fact, binge eating disorder is uh, very popular. I think maybe one out of three people have uh, had it at one time. Now, is that something that you dealt with, binge eating? You know, there was there was definitely a moment where where I did, and I think it was right in the beginning of my recovery. Um, I didn't know how to balance my relationship with food. I'd gone without food for so long. You know, I was on a twenty year diet. Right. But when I came around food and sort of relaxed that ban, it was kind of a free for all, and I really didn't know how to find balance yet. And I kind of had to go into that other extreme to be able to find this middle ground of of relaxation and balance around food. Um, so, yeah, I think I've experienced all ends of the spectrum of eating disorder, and, and it is. It's not just anorexic and thin women. Um, and it really tends to be, you know, how we're handling our emotions or not handling our emotions is sort of the reverberations in what we're doing with food, whether we're abstaining or over-consuming. Um, it tends to be how we are dealing with our emotional state. Now, something you mentioned a little earlier in the interview um, is about uh, having heart surgery. Now, after yeah. you had heart surgery, you came back to the industry as a plus-size model. Now, um your eating disorder was the reason for your heart condition, right? Correct. And were you nervous to emerge back into the industry as a plus-size model? You know, it's so funny. It, it was my first experience, conscious experience with discrimination within the industry, where it was so frustrating to me that because I wasn't this straight size anymore that for some reason I should, like, hang up my hat and go away and for me, it, it became this this need to step out and be proud at whatever size that I was and to honor and celebrate all sizes of women. And I sort of was adamant that the industry recognize 
that any woman, any size should be, you, you know, can be considered beautiful. So um, it became a, a mission for me to actually go for it and, and make it happen. And, and it was also a lesson in the discrimination. I, wouldn't, I didn't get paid the same for jobs that I got booked. Um, there was a discrimination not around, you know, it wasn't around being female, but about being a certain weight, which was very frustrating. And did you find it wasn't the same uh, quality of work, not the same amount of opportunities? Absolutely. Absolutely. There were not as many opportunities. And my experience of, you know, being plus size, too, was the shopping for me was really frustrating. Um, the quality of clothes and the consistency of that craftsmanship, and it, it too, was sort of discriminating. So, um it was a big lesson. It was a really big lesson along my journey that helped me to also sort of put it together and, and write my book from that perspective of being every woman. So are you still modeling today or have you retired? I just came back from a phenomenal show for Elena Miro, uh, an Italian designer, and it's the one um, it's the one curvy, they like calling it curvy or plus-size line, that is at any of the fashion weeks, and it's at Milan Fashion Week, and it was actually such a blast to be back on the catwalk. Um, I'm going to be posting a blog on my website, carrylife.com. I'm going to be posting a, a blog of that experience. Um, but I don't know. I might be doing the campaign for them, and, and I'm I'm open to it, and the reason why is I get to show up for who I am today, and there's no – I don't have to be anybody else. Um it's you know I'm honored as the 43 year old mom with curves and and it's a joy to step out and represent that demographic of women. So today um, in the modeling industry, you would be considered a plus size model. Um, do you do you have uh, issues with being considered a plus size model when you represent the average size woman? <laughs> I do. You know I do. It's it's frustrating. It's rather ridiculous. It definitely is a testament to the modeling industry. You know, if a size 10 is is plus size, um, you can only imagine what straight size is. Right. So it, it is it is frustrating. And then also beyond that, I, I feel like we all as sisters need to move away from these labels. It's like some of us are plus, some of us are eight, some of us are 10, some of us are two. Why can't we step out and represent happily the diversity of beauty. I mean, it comes in all shapes and forms and sizes and colors. Right. Now, yeah, so there's a little want of wanting to break down that barrier, too. Right. Now, you um, wrote a book, as we've been uh, mentioning throughout the um, conversation, Is yep. Beauty Disrupted, a memoir. Now, tell us a little bit about your book. You've touched, you touched some of the things we've discussed in your book, but it's much, much more. It is much, much more. Um, my memoir deals with, I'd say, the psychology of dysfunction and then of transformation, um, it's really a spiritual journey. It, it takes you, the reader, from the beginning of my life and sort of the blueprint of, of where I was, how I came into this world and what I went through and then how it informed the decisions that I later made from, um, you know, uh, an abusive marriage to 
coping and healing from sexual assaults um, and sexual harassment, being in the modeling industry, and then really a spiritual journey of transformation. Um, and I think the the bigger message is, you know, there's some things that are unique to me, but the book is so many women's journey, you know, so many women's stories are are in there, in mine. Um, yeah, it's it was powerful to write and wonderful to promote. I'm working on my next two books now, and, and it's just a joy to be part of a healthy, conscious message, you know, of awareness and education. And is your book available nationwide at bookstores everywhere? It is, yep. It is available nationwide at bookstores. It's on ebook, on Kindle. There's an audio version. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so do you have anything else coming up we could be on the lookout for? I know you're writing a new book and you, you're getting back into modeling. Anything else? Um, I'm a featured writer on Huffington Post, so you can look for me there. There's updates. You can follow me at Carrie Otis on Twitter or Carrie Life on Facebook. Um, my website, Carrie Life, has information and, and upcoming events. And I'm actually working to create um, a series of retreats, of, of women's retreats. We're looking at Hawaii. We're looking at some different locations, but it would probably be a five- to ten-day retreat um, on loving your body. Oh, wow. Keep me posted on that. That's I will. <laughs> I will. It's very exciting. Uh, well, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Continued success um, with everything that you do. You're an inspiration for many, and it was a pleasure interviewing you on the show today. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. And have me back again for some good conversation. <laughs> I will. The time flew by. <laughs> it did. Take care, my dear. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And if anybody is looking for more information on eating disorders, you can visit the National Eating Disorders Association website at eating uh, eatingdisorders.org. Am I saying the right website? Nationaleatingdisorders.org, sorry. And you can visit the Binge Eating Disorder Association at BEDA Online, and that's B-E-D-A-Online.com. And thank you to my fabulous guest this evening, Carrie Otis. And tune in next week, and we'll have more plus industry professionals with stories to not only inspire you, but to keep you connected with the Kirby community. If you're interested interested in advertising on the show or being a guest, visit the website at plusmodelradio.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to join our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash plusmodelradio. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.